Greetings. This is Earl Dotson Jr. from the 205 Vibe Podcast. On this episode, we're sharing Superintendent Dr. Aaron Jarrett's annual update to the Rockford Chamber of Commerce from the November 2021 Education Outlook Luncheon. Dr. Jarrett connected his remarks to the biggest challenges facing our community, according to local leaders. Those are education, safety, and taxes. Enjoy this episode, and remember to subscribe to the 205 Vibe Podcast. Now we'll turn it over to Dr. Jared's presentation. Thank you. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. I really appreciate having the opportunity to be here. We had to take a year off with the pandemic, and it's just really lovely, even with a smaller crowd, to be together to talk about some of the common challenges that we face in our community with a pandemic, but also the bigger picture of workforce development. I wanna thank our Board of Education members who are in attendance today. I also wanna thank our Superintendent Student Advisory Council members who are here, and of course, the Chamber and our sponsors. So let's give all of them a big round of applause. Thank you. I wanna talk a little bit about a concept that I hope is a theme that runs through our conversation today. And it's about the importance of moving upstream. When we talk about workforce development challenges and we talk about the things we are trying to accomplish as a community, it often feels, we, feels like we get caught downstream dealing with really urgent issues and we have a hard time doing the important work that we want to be doing to develop a stronger community. So today's message is gonna be oriented around the idea of moving upstream. And what I mean by that, it's not my metaphor, it's one I borrowed from one of my favorite authors, Dan Heath. And in his book, Upstream, he tells a story that I love. It's a, it's a, it's a public health parable. You and a friend are having a picnic by the side of a river. Suddenly you hear a shout from the direction of the water and see that a child is drowning. Without thinking, you both dive in, grab the child, and swim to shore. Before you can recover, you hear another child cry for help. You and a friend jump back into the, into the river and save her as well. Then another struggling child drifts into the sight, and another. The two of you can barely keep up. Suddenly, you see your friend wading out of the water, seeming to leave you alone. Where are you going, you demand. Your friend answers, I'm going upstream to tackle the guy who's throwing all these kids in the water. It's really a powerful metaphor for what we often experience in our work. We want to be upstream, getting to the root of the problem, but so often our day-to-day -day lives force us to be downstream because there are urgent issues. We don't want to let that child drown. We need to tackle some of the immediate important issues. In today's remarks, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of what holds us back at times for being way, way downstream and how we can make some progress in some key areas as it pertains to workforce development. I'd like to, the, re, the reason I focus here on education, safety, and taxes is I've been doing this job for about nine years and I've been in the district for 11 and I've worked with two mayors. And every time I've talked to either mayor about what their polling tells them are the biggest challenges facing our community, they always say, our voters are telling us it's educational attainment and workforce development it's safety, often referred to as crime, and it's taxes. And really the only thing that changes over the years is what order those three topics come in. So if we want to get upstream 
as a school district with our work and upstream as partners in our community, I think it's gonna be really important that we continue to stay focused on these three issues. Because in my opinion, our journey to being a top 25 community, or as our district refers to it, the first choice for all families, is making sure we're all working together to do our part in these three areas. The first area I'm gonna focus on is taxes. And while taxes is normally not the way to get your audience excited, we actually have some really good news to report on this front. And I think it's one of our best kept secrets as a community. Many of you know that starting in 2008 at the very start of the real estate crash that we had basically across our country, we saw a 31% decrease in property values. Basically, the equalized assessed value of the district's footprint dropped from $2.85 billion to $1.96 billion over a seven year period. And what happens when your property values go down is that your property tax rate tends to go up. And so what we saw was a significant challenge that we needed to address. And what our Board of Education did, what many of our governmental entities that partner with us did, is together we embarked on a multi-year journey. We are now entering our ninth year of this work of holding our levy flat. And what that means for real basic purposes is we kept collecting the same amount of money in 2021 from the local taxpayers that we were collecting back in 2011. So for 10 years, we kept taking the same amount of money. Now, how could we do that? The way we could accomplish that is because the state of Illinois increased funding. And the reason I share this with you is it's led to a really powerful outcome. This is exactly the kind of upstream work I'm talking about. This couldn't happen with one taxing body or one year. Over the course of a long 10-year period, we started to see some results. Our, rate pay, our property tax rate peaked at $7.94 and has continued to go down every year. And the park district, the city, and other taxing bodies have seen similar outcomes. So as a result, we are projecting now to see an over $2 reduction in property tax rates in the FY22 levy cycle. So this is something that is sustained, it's powerful, and it really matters to creating a climate where we can attract and retain businesses. If we have a situation where tax rates continue to raise, we run the risk of becoming a community where businesses leave and families leave. So this is really important upstream work that we have to do when it comes to our, our investment in taxes. So I wanna applaud our Board of Education for sustaining this strategy for yet another year. And I also want to applaud our local legislators who, because of their investment in evidence-based funding, have really helped this strategy to be possible because our costs have certainly gone up. So the decreased reliance on the local taxpayer has created a much more competitive environment for us moving forward. You can see right now in the 2020 uh, comparison, we're kind of in the middle of the road with regional school districts, but with our strategy continuing over the next two years, we think we may project to move to leading the pack in one of the lowest tax rates in the region. And this is work that is important because we have significant needs, but we also think it's important to make a choice as a community to ensure that we want people to have their business in the Rockford Public Schools footprint and also have their homes there. And we think taxes are one of the three areas that matter. The next area I wanna talk about is, is safety. And this is often talked about in crime statistics. But if we talk about crime, crime is the ultimate downstream problem. We don't get to committing a crime 
as the first thing that happens. It's often a series of long missed opportunities to help children and their families. And what I wanna talk about with safety are some of the things the district is doing to try to be upstream. In the last 10 years, we have made a significant commitment to change the way our schools are staffed. We now have a social worker and a nurse in all of our schools. We used to have 25 social workers in our district, now we have 50. That may seem something that is far away from the core mission of a school, but I would argue that providing the social emotional support that our students need is actually every bit as important as to ensure that the, the proper learning is occurring in our schools. Additionally, we've, ha we've taken on a strategy with that evidence-based funding from the state of Illinois. We've really focused on two things to do to spend the money. One has been making sure that we invest in that property tax reduction strategy. The other thing we've done is we've seen the amount of money that principals have as discretionary spending in their budgets increase from 2.6 million in 2019 to 23.8 million. What do they do with those dollars? They've invested those in significant academic interventions and also social emotional supports for our students. We've added attendance specialists, behavior intervention specialists. I can, you can see the list of different things that have been added that provide academic and social emotional support. The key part of this strategy though, is that we don't tell our principals what to do with that money. They have a menu of options. They know what their students and their families need and they make those investments. And we think they know best what their families and their students need. The district is there to support, but we think the best use of those dollars is to make sure they make it to the building level. So we are proud of our position inventory, and we are also very, very proud of the investment we've made in school nurses and social workers, because we do believe educating the whole child is a very, very important part of our success and necessary to do the kind of upstream work that we wanna do as a district. And finally, the reason we're all here and what we're most closely related to is our work around education. And I really wanna spend time talking about three different aspects of education. The first thing I wanna talk about is our core vision for what our school district needs to look like. We've made a big investment in the idea of ensuring all of our students have access to high quality schools. This is not only a student achievement initiative, but this is also an equity initiative. I wanna make sure that as we come together as a community and do our work together, that all of our schools and the school communities they serve have the resources they need to be successful. And we believe that zip code should no longer be a determinant about whether a school is a high quality school or not. That is gonna take extremely hard work to do. If you look at this map, imagine red and yellow schools being schools that are not where they need to be yet and blue and green schools being schools that are successful. We don't want to see a map that looks like this, where we have pockets of red and yellow. Instead, we wanna see us get to a place where we are green and blue across the board. In order to make sure I'm accountable for this, the Board of Education and I have come together in a pandemic as we signed a new contract and decided that it was important to make sure that our desire to make sure that our equity as well as our academic goals are met. So we agreed on contractual goals for third grade literacy and numeracy, on track rates, which is a, a way of saying passing all of your classes and having the support to do that for middle schools and freshmen and improving our graduation rate. Here's what we've committed to. We're establishing a baseline for the 21-22 school year for literacy, numeracy, and middle school. And you may ask, well, why are we setting a baseline? The middle school, we had to create the metric 
But the third grade literacy and numeracy, and we'll talk a little bit about this with pandemic recovery, is problematic because about 6,000 of our students were unable to take the state test last year because of the impact of the pandemic. So instead of having a really detailed report on student achievement today, we're gonna instead talk about establishing the baseline and knowing that we clearly have a lot of work to do in the two areas we can keep track of, the freshman on track rate and the graduation rate. Our commitment is by the 2025 school year to see five percentage point increases across the board on our third grade math and, and literacy targets, an increase on our middle school on track, but also we ultimately want to get those graduation and on track targets up to 75% as quickly as possible. But that's not gonna be easy. And this is where we're gonna need the community to come together. Because in addition to talking about our vision for high quality schools in every zip code, we, have, we do have some immediate downstream challenges that are gonna take partnerships across the board. In a typical year, we had a 93% attendance rate. During the pandemic, even if we combine in-person and remote, we were at 80%. And during this school year, with the emergence of the Delta variant, our attendance is now sitting at 85%. And if anything, it's lately been declining. So in order to achieve those lofty goals that we've committed to, attendance and finding ways to keep our students both physically safe, but also safe emotionally is gonna be a really important part of our work to get to the academic work that we need to do. The good news is we do have some extra resources. The American Rescue Plan from the federal government, we call ARP-ESSER for short, has invested over $200 million over the Rockford Public Schools in the next three years. And I'm really proud to announce that in those next three years, we are gonna be investing those $200 million in what I think is a really powerful way. First and foremost, 37% of our classrooms are currently have air conditioning and high air quality. The pandemic really shined a light on that. So we are going to be able by 2024 through the hard work of Mike Phillips and our facilities team, we are gonna have 100% of our classrooms air conditioned by 2024. Now, if we think about that, yes, that will make our staff and our students more comfortable, but it will also help us with the core variable of time because we are going to allow our schools to truly be year-round learning centers. It's very difficult to fully utilize a lot of our educational spaces in the month of June, July, and August because of the extreme heat. This will allow us to look at calendars differently. It will allow us to partner with community members differently and really maximize those wonderful facilities investments. The other 40 million that we're gonna be investing is tied to a number of key areas, but it's all tied to the variable of time. And this is my plea as we, as we go out to the community and work together on this. We have to come up with a way to ensure that in a 172 day school year and a six to seven hour school day isn't the only thing we're doing for our children. We have to think about how we can extend the day, how we can extend the week, and how we can extend the year. And one of the things I can tell you that won't work is to just only do that as a school system because whether it's staff or students, we know that doing something different to connect to those students at the beginning and the end of the day, doing something different to get them excited about coming in for extended summer learning is gonna be an important part of that partnership. So we're gonna be going to our community partners with a series of RFPs to see how can we use our school buildings, how can we use our community resources, how can we combine our talents together to do more of what we started last summer with our Live, Learn, and Play program. I would like to see students engaging with their park district, engaging with their community centers, 
Rockford Public School teachers embedded in that work, and a vision for students having a great time during their summer, a great time before and after school, getting the extra that they need, but doing so with these invested dollars. I am really confident that we can make a difference, but we're gonna to have to do that together, and we're gonna to have to do that in a way that is really meaningful for students. Because one of the tragedies that I'm hoping we can avoid is often when we invite families to get extra time, the ones who need that the most are the ones that are the least likely to take advantage of those opportunities. So how can we connect as a community with the students who have been most negatively impacted by the pandemic? I believe in this concept of time being the variable. I believe that all students can learn at high levels, but I think time is gonna be the key to us coming together to support them. We can't do it alone, and community partnerships are a big part of this, not only for extending the learning opportunities for students, but it's also a big part of why we're here today to talk about workforce development. And that's what I'm gonna close with is talking about our, our efforts to work together with our business community to ensure that families want to stay in our community and that our business community wants to keep their businesses here. One of the things we're trying to do differently as a school district through our academy program and through our long lasting partnerships with Alignment Rockford is to have a series of guaranteed experiences for all of our students that prepare them for the world of work. We have an Academy Expo each year where thousands of students get the chance to interact with hundreds of businesses. We now guarantee a site visit for all of our students at a job site. We're up to 65% of our students receiving a job shadowing experience. And we have a lot of work to do still on ensuring they all have a capstone internship experience. Uh, with the pandemic, that slowed us down a little bit, but it has not stopped us. And I'm confident that our college and career readiness team in partnership with businesses, we will see all of these experiences guaranteed for our students as quickly as possible. Ultimately, what we're trying to accomplish is solve a really simple problem that is really, really hard to accomplish. And that is this idea of if we can create a competitive advantage where our local businesses mentor and recruit our RPS students, the likelihood is that they are going to stay connected in our community and want to be here. Conversely, we then want to have a greater likelihood that those students do choose to be part of our future workforce. It's a really powerful win-win agreement that can occur informally through really high quality workforce development work. And I think it's so important that we continue to make those investments, whether it's the Academy Expo, whether it's inviting students for a job shadowing experience, it all plays in to creating a reason why Rockford, Illinois can stand out in an extremely competitive environment for talent. One of the ways we've attempted to accelerate that improvement have been through the development of pathways through our high school academy model. Pathways ultimately aim to connect work at the elementary and, and middle school level to three-year course sequences called pathways in high school that ultimately culminate with college credit and, and or career certification. And what we've attempted to do more and more is then connect those with employers in one case, it's with our Rockford University Pathway Partnership. Our students go to Rockford University and then come back to us as future RPS teachers. We also have a partnership with Habitat for Humanity where our students actually build a home and eventually get into the construction trade. We have a partnership with the Rockford Police Department where our students take courses in those pathways and eventually become the future police officers of our community. The bottom line is if we build these pathways correctly, we can create an environment where students that represent the best of our community can in turn be our future workforce. 
what a great competitive advantage that we can create for students as well as for those employers. So this pathway concept is something I think is extremely important. And when it comes to getting that college credit and career certification, we're seeing really strong results. In 2017, when we really pruned these pathways and did some very powerful work in our college and career readiness department, we were not doing a good job of ensuring that this pathway concept ended in college credit. We've now seen that increase from 12 credits earned to 500 in 2020. It's a 4,000% increase, and that really shows that not only are students gaining really valuable connections to the workforce, they're also gaining college credit and a head start. It's not coming at the expense of taking our most rigorous courses, though. In that same period of time, we've seen a 137% increase in participation in advanced placement courses. So ultimately, we can do both. We can have really powerful academic experiences, earn college credit, earn career certification, and give our students and our community a, a way to partner together in a really meaningful way. The last concept I wanna talk about I think is a great representation because it's the ultimate kind of upstream work we need to keep doing, our Rockford Promise concept. It's really in the intersection of safety, education, and taxes. We've had a long-standing partnership with private money with Rockford University and Rock Valley College and recently we're able to add a city-funded $1.5 million a year partnership with Northern Illinois University. As recently as 2016, the Rockford Promise was supporting six or five students. That has now grown to 193 students that are getting a full scholarship to attend Rock Valley College, Rockford University, or Northern Illinois University. This is the kind of work that, we, that inspires our students academically, that gives families a reason to buy a home in the Rockford Public Schools footprint and the city of Rockford footprint, and also really helps to ensure that the student well-being and safety continues to be a priority because we see the inherent value in every child. If we can see them as someone worthy of a scholarship with a 3.0 grade point average, we know that we need to invest in that child in a really, really meaningful way. To highlight some of the early successes with the NIU portion of the promise, we had 96 students enrolled in year one with that full academic scholarship. 59% of those students were students of color, 79% of those students were first generation, and the cumulative grade point average for all Rockford Promise scholars attending Northern Illinois was 3.53. This is really powerful work, but the work isn't done. We need to get to a place where any student who wants to attend Rockford University or Rock Valley College or, needs, or has housing needs can also be part of that. We also have significant needs for mentors to ensure that these first-generation college students and new college students have success while they're there. So while this is a wonderful start, we do have the need for continued private fundraising to keep this moving. Ultimately, when you look at those three seemingly intractable problems of crime, of safety, and the safety that goes along with that, the problem with taxes, the problem with education, ultimately it's all intertwined. If we really want to win as a community with workforce development, we know that those are our three biggest obstacles. But we also know that we have example after example where we've come together to address those in a meaningful way. I am extremely confident that we can continue to improve in all three of those areas. And I'm even more confident that together we can create a competitive advantage for workforce development to attract companies and to retain our students, and to have Rockford, Illinois be a place that is truly a model, a house on the hill for other communities to emulate. Our work isn't done. In some areas, it's barely started. But I believe it's the right work. 
because if we can create that kind of a competitive advantage for our families and for our companies, we will have created a place that people want to live and really call home. Thank you so much for the opportunity to address you today, and I'm looking forward to being part of the panel. Thank you very much. Um, now, it's my pleasure to welcome to the stage our panelists for the second half of the program. So they're going to join me up here and our moderator as well, and uh, I will introduce them. Unfortunately, one of our panelists, uh, Courtney Geiger with Goodwill Industries of Northern Illinois, is a bit under the weather and not able to join us today, so she sends her regards. So, Dr. Folkemer. Eric Folkemer, PhD, is Rockford University's 18th president and began his duties on July 1st of 2016. Prior to being named president, Dr. Folkemer was the vice president for enrollment management at Rockford University since 2013 and has more than two decades of leadership experience in higher education. Dr. Folkemer received his doctorate in higher education administration from the University of Toledo, his master's degree in college student personnel from Bowling Green State University, and his bachelor's degree in English language and literature cum laude from Eastern Michigan University. In addition to his work in higher education, Dr. Folkmer is active in several areas of the community. He serves on several boards, including the Golden Apple Foundation, UW Northern Illinois Region, UW Health, excuse me, Northern Illinois Region, Alignment Rockford Governing Board, Rockford Leaders, and the Rockford Chamber of Commerce. He serves on the Executive Committee for the Associated Colleges of Illinois and the Northern Athletic Collegiate Conference and is a member of the National Collegiate Athletic... Oh! oh. Association. <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> I think they call that the NAAC, NCAA? Yeah. I did theater as a kid. <laughs> Divisions three, President's Council. He previously served as chair of the board for Rockford Christian Schools and as a member of the executive committee of the Kobe College Corporation Japan Education Exchange, participated in the Leadership Rockford program, and co-chaired the funding and alignment spoke of Transform Rockford. He is also a member of the Rockford Rotary Club. Dr. Folkmer and his wife, Andrea, a physician's assistant, live in Rockford and are proud parents of two college students, Noah and Anna. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Folkmer. Margie Hartfield is in her 10th year leading school districts in their efforts to provide quality career and technical education, CTE, opportunities to region high school students. Her role as system director at CNC, the Illinois State Board of Education's Education for Employment Office, is complex and far-reaching, touching 11,000 high school students at 15 high schools and supporting 132 high school instructors teaching 184 programs across all industries in the Northern Illinois area. She has taken on many leadership roles over the course of her 35-year career in education, currently serving on the System Director Leadership Council, board member of the Illinois Career and Technical Administra Administrators Association, board member of the Youth Council of the Workforce Connection, and chair of ISBE's Region 2 System Director Council. In the midst of the greatest labor shortage on record, she is passionate about changing the conversation between education and industry to focus on a value proposition, how to make our collaborative efforts beneficial to both parties. Margie is a lifelong resident of the Northern Illinois region and a graduate of Byron High School, whoo, Rock Valley College, and Northern Illinois University. Thank you. Right. 
Paul Nolly is the executive director of Project First Rate, a nonprofit labor management organization representing thousands of union tradespeople and hundreds of local union contractors. He has more than a decade of leadership experience in nonprofit management, youth development programs, fundraising, and advocacy. He's an Illinois State grad and earned his master's degree in public administration from NIU. Paul has many educators in his family, including his wife, Andrea, a proud public high school teacher in special education. Thank you. And finally, Mimi Murphy. Finally, our moderator is Mimi Murphy. Mimi is a familiar face on Rockford Television. She joined the WTVO Channel 17 News team in September of 2010. Mimi is an East High School graduate and received a Bachelor of Arts degree in communication from Northern Illinois University. She enjoys sharing her love of music, singing at various community events. In her spare time, Mimi loves to do outdoor activities. Her hobbies include swimming, skiing, and biking. Mimi is a big sports fan and especially loves the Chicago Bears. Mimi and her husband Nino have two children and two big dogs who keep them busy and always entertained. Mimi, I will turn it over to you. Let's get started. Margie, I think I'm going to start with you on the first one here. Um, education truly is a team sport, which is why we're all here today. How does your organization play a role in educating the kids in our community, and how important is collaboration? Well, collaboration is, quite frankly, for CNC, the key to pretty much everything that we do. We are a grant administrating office and so we work actually with 15 high schools, nine school districts and our work really dives into supporting all the career and technical education that is going on at all of our local school districts. And so with that said, um, I think probably one of the key components is that is we have about 300 business partners that we connect the schools to, our instructors to, as they travel down the road of building in work-based learning experiences for their student, which is something that Erin alluded to. Um, we are very much into supporting those efforts. Um, anything from building in opportunities to hear speakers, to field trips, to internships. Um, we are there to make that connection. Very nice. Dr. Fulcomer, would you like to add to that? Sure. Uh, Dr. Jarrett mentioned some of the partnerships that we're a part of, but we see ourselves, and if you've seen our commercials recently, we see ourselves as Rockford University. So in addition to educating students from all over the country and around the world, we want to be a destination for Rockford students, and we're really pleased to be able to do that. Three of the specific partnerships we have, one is the Education Pathway, which Dr. Jarrett mentioned. RPS students graduate, go on to become teachers. They get their teacher education from us, and they go back to RPS 205, and then they come back to Rockford University and get a graduate degree as well, a Master of Education in Urban Education that we created for the school district. We also are active in Rockford Promise, as Dr. Jarrett mentioned, and we recently launched a Pathway for Criminal Justice, which is a partnership with RPS, RPD, as well as Rock Valley College. So it's a student start in high school, they work with the police, dis the police department, go to Rock Valley College, come to Rockford University, and then go back and, and become police officers. But I wanna expand our thinking about, because we're talking about workforce, so it's not just the, the RPS students, it's you know, you're working from at least 40 years, although people seem to be quitting the workforce every day. We were talking about that earlier. But, uh, you know, you, you work from 18 to 65, and so there's a long uh, pathway. So we're also very much involved in educating students in the Rockford area uh, to, for what's next. 
So we're working with to be the educational partner of choice for companies and organizations, uh, developing certificate programs for their employees, helping their employees who have some college complete their degree through one of our degree completion programs. And we also have graduate work in education and business that is helping uh, our workforce here in Rockford. And speaking of the workforce, building the talent pipeline is extremely important to creating a thriving and competitive labor force in our business community. So what does the labor force need right now? This might be one that you could start with, Paul. Sure. So um, as I mentioned, we represent our trades and our contractors coming together to promote apprenticeship programs, to promote careers in the trades. Um, and I really see this kind of situation or challenge that we have as kind of uh, there's two sides of the same coin. So on one side, you got to have these fired up, motivated, um, uh, dedicated uh, students or young adults or even adults who want to switch a career or get into something right. They want to, you want them to be passionate. You want them to stay, um, get the work done, do it proudly, do it well, do it safely. Um, and so that's something, you know, with the school system that we work on, uh, we need to do more of that, you know, in regards to our industry. But um, also on the flip side, we have to look at on the employer side as well and making sure we have real careers out there for students or uh, adults when they're trying to switch careers that provide living wages, that provide benefits, and importantly, that you can retire on uh, with dignity when you're done working that those 40 years plus. So um, employers, students, education systems working together to not only get those students fired up, uh, help them see a vision, a sense of hope, a future for themselves and their family if that's what they want, um, but also having something to go to to be passionate and to put their uh, effort in and to reap the rewards at the end of the day or at the end of their career. Um, and so so we really try to work on both ends of that. And Dr. Jarrett, you touched on this um, when you spoke earlier about building that talent pipeline with the Academy Expo. What are some of the other things the school district's focusing on in that regard? Well, I, th I think you're done. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to ensuring that students have guaranteed experiences to expose them to our, our, our community and the opportunities that are there. So the Academy Expo, I hope, is just the first step of relationship building that occurs, whether it's uh, a sponsorship that many of our companies have undertaken to sponsor one of our pathways, whether it is encouraging to have a job shadowing or a site visit, it all creates an environment where students feel welcomed to be part of the workforce and really understand the opportunities that are available. And that's the kind of thing we just need such partnership. And we're very grateful that we live in a community that sees that value and we wanna to continue to improve in that area. I just wanted to add one little piece to what Aaron said because he's spot on. Right now, one of the unique lenses that we get to look at workforce development from at CANCI is that our top three industries in this region, manufacturing kind of in that STEM pocket, um, our healthcare industry and accommodations and food, um, we actually have, and this is these are true numbers, right now in our career and technical education courses, we actually have 3,500 students in those top three pockets. We have 3,500 students that have skills. Um, and by that I mean it's not just an introductory level type of course. Um, they actually have been in multiple levels 
within a particular discipline within career and technical education. And so this is just such an incredible talent pipeline and we can connect you to that talented pipeline. So um, I would just encourage you, as I know you're dealing with some of the labor shortages that you are, know that we are building a really great team to come and join you. Um, we just need you to connect with our team. So what are some of the ways kids are being prepared for the future careers as far as apprenticeships and, and getting ready for college, college readiness? What are some of the things being done that you could, do you want to address that, Dr. Folkemer? Well, I, I, think, uh, I think some of the things I already talked about, preparing students by taking courses in high school that will, that will direct them to a career. And, and the school district is doing a fantastic job of helping students think about their career from high school. And then once they've identified a pathway, and if Rockford University can be helpful in that pathway, we're looking for ways to partner. So we're already partnering on education, uh, cur um, criminal justice, and we'll look for other ways to partner as well. And how are important are apprenticeships? So. Uh, if you look at the research that's out there, apprenticeships um, that are run in a joint labor management uh, model where both labor and the contractors are coming together to make sure every kind of condition concern is addressed in the training, that is the largest private uh, educational system post-secondary that exists in our country. And so it's very important, it's very important to our industry because when you come out of that apprenticeship program, you're safely trained, you have your craft, and you're ready to succeed and you get very fair wages. Um, one thing that we're we're trying to do now is recognize and address the fact that um, while talent, um, passion is spread equitably throughout all of our different parts of our region, throughout demographic groups, opportunities are not. And so how do we as an industry, as a community, um, address those groups that are underrepresented in our industry and or in others to really expose them, engage them, and show them the path to these careers, um, which starts with an apprenticeship program, um, which are three to five years depending on your trade. Um, so these are ways to get directly into a career, directly into a path for your future if you've got a family or whatever that may be in your later in life. So um, we need more of them. There's a lot of funding coming through with this infrastructure funding and other things coming down from state feds, uh, et cetera. So these are going to be more important. And uh, you know, I make an appeal to the business community and others, help us raise the perception of apprenticeships to where they need to be, which are on par uh, with four-year university degree programs. Um, you know, That's my appeal, and that's what we try to do every day. Did you have something you wanted to add, Margie? Yes, I do. Um, one thing, um, within any given year, 3,500 high school students are achieving and earning an industry credential. It could be in OSHA safety, it could be in NIMS, it could be in an Adobe Suite product or a Microsoft product, it could be in AutoCAD. These students have an incredible set of skills. And so again, um, I know Aaron shared with you the work that they're doing in the dual credit area, which is actually in that CTE pocket. And so 62% of the programs that we oversee, there's actually an embedded dual credit option. So students are automatically working toward that higher learning and then add on top of that, that industry credential piece as well. That's 3,500 students who have proven to have very specific skills. So it's very exciting time to be in career and tech ed. Absolutely. Now we all know, pandemic aside, education uh, doesn't look the same as it did just five years ago. So how, has your, how have your organizations adapted to educate kids today? 
Who wants to take that one first? I'll take that one. Okay. So kind of going on to the piece that I said about equity, inclusion, diversity, um, our members, trades and contractors, we understand that we've made that commitment, uh, but we know we need to do more. And so we're working with organizations like the Rockford Housing Authority, like RPS, other school districts, community centers, community organizations to really um, deliver that message in a way that um, is going to be heard. We can have a real dialogue back and forth. We can talk about our history, the challenges, and how we move forward to allow uh, more people to into these opportunities. So um, I always tell people, uh, Let's meet, let's talk about it. How can we work together? Um, what ideas do you have? What have you seen in your experiences? Um, and let's figure that out. So I think just being open-minded, being open to uh, good dialogue, challenging dialogue, whatever that may be, and that's what we're trying to do. I think, uh, you know, one of the, th you mentioned outside of COVID, but even with COVID, you know, we know that students are coming to higher education now with a gap. There's something that they didn't, there's some content that they didn't get to cover or that they didn't cover as well as they had hoped that the school district had hoped they would do. So one of the things we're doing is trying to assess what the needs are of our students. We have, uh, we have about 50% of our students are first generation college students, meaning their family, they're first in their family to go to college. About half of our students come to us with significant financial need. And we're taking those students in particular, and we've created a program called Regents First. We're the Rockford Regents, that's our mascot. And our Regents First program brings them in in advance of the, of the fall semester, gives them some uh, specific uh, information about what it's like to be a college student, how to prepare, how to study, to try to identify some deficiencies that these students have, and then we provide support for them, um, intensive support during their first semester. So that's one thing we're doing to try to address this immediate concern about what maybe they didn't get to cover uh, in high school. But we're also looking at ways to meet the, the needs of today's workforce. And so uh, in our degree completion programs, which are programs where students have some college, maybe are working full time and wanna go back and get their bachelor's degree, we've created uh, shortened courses. We've created an opportunity for them to get, um, to get credit for the job training that they've done. Uh, so some of the job training will give them college credit, will help them get a degree faster. And we're looking at ways to do the same thing uh, as far as the accelerated courses with our MBA program. Excellent. So what can the business community do to help the students and help the education system? I'll, I'll jump in on that one. I, I think going back to some of the remarks we made, it's so important that we start that relationship early and often. I think for a long time, the relationship between the employer and the student often didn't start until post high school or post college. And I think the more we can connect, make those early and often connections, the more likely we are to inspire students and to build those long-term relationships. So I think an early, deeper connection is what's most needed. I would say uh, two things. One is uh, provide internships. Almost all of our students at Rockford University, uh, undergraduate students, need internships, whether, whatever, regardless of their field. And so if you have internship opportunities, uh, connect with us, and we'd be happy to, to make our students aware of those. And the other is, if, as employers, we would hope that you would see Rockford University as a resource to educate your workforce. You ha all have employees who have many of you have employees who have some college but don't have a degree, and maybe you need them to have some specific management skills as they take on more responsibilities. Uh, talk with us about our, our Bachelor of Science and Management Studies program or one of our other degree completion programs that, could, that these students can take in the evening, uh, they don't have to miss work, uh, that they can do an accelerated program and we can help them get their degree. Anything you'd like to add? 
thank you all for your, for your passion for our students and for our community. And it's been really refreshing to hear all of your comments. Thank you for listening to the 205 Vibe podcast. Subscribe to the 205 Vibe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening now. Check out the blog, videos, and news on rps205.com slash 205 Vibe.